0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Enjoy the Book of Life. I'm excited to have Brother Dave Dunlap with us today. Uh, we're going to be jumping into some uh, life experiences and really looking at some of the lessons that he's learned. Um, and so I'm going to turn it over to you, uh, Brother. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience specifically with church planting?
1: So I got into church planting. Um, very soon, I think after I, um, I was saved, um, I, um, I, after I was saved, I, um, went back to where I I was from, where I lived, I was away at college, and I I got into a church that was relatively small, maybe 15 people, Mm. if everyone came, and on a Wednesday night, there might have been just the elder, uh, myself, maybe one, maybe two, uh, if there were five, that would have been a large number. Um, and, and so I was a zealous new Christian. And, um, and so, uh, I just began to throw myself into some activities, um, and, and expanding the work. And, uh, and so that was my first experience. It it wasn't from, uh, a church planting from with without a church building and without a few believers but it was pretty much a church planting situation mm-hmm. and uh and then the lord led me to another local assembly i didn't plan it uh, i didn't work it in this way but it was another situation much like that and uh it was in southern pennsylvania and then i got into an, another situation um a, a, and it was a, a church planting situation in northern New Jersey, and um, and so I've been involved in in five of these uh, in in North America, and then uh, after I was saved, I was a missionary in Belgium. I got involved in church planting with uh, missionaries in in Flemish Belgium, and I learned a lot about church planting from them um Richard Haverkamp and Hank Gelling were involved in uh I think starting 27 assemblies from 1971 to uh, about 1995 and Hank Gelling is still in the country uh is still in Belgium mm. and uh and I was there in 1983 kind of in the middle of that of that period of time and so I learned a lot from those experiences and then after I got married, I moved to Tampa, Florida. And uh, initially I, um, I got involved in a established assembly, working and helping and preaching uh, in different places. But then I moved about 16 miles north of that assembly. And uh, people began to come to me and say, you know, if you ever want to start an assembly in that town, I'd be interested. And uh, and then another person would come and say, "If you're ever interested, thinking of starting an assembly, and that," and I wasn't thinking of starting an assembly or a Bible study uh, at that point. And but eventually, about thirty-five people hmm. came to me and husband-wife, and and so we began to explore the idea, and so we began the the work in Land Lakes uh, in two thousand uh not all 35 eventually came only about 15 but we started another uh church planting experience so that's kind of my background and um and uh and the lords t- taught me lessons along the way not only in Land O'Lakes in the tampa area but from the very beginning of my you know my my christian experience and
0: how old were you when when you first got saved? You said you were off in college, and then you came home. How yeah. old were you when you came home? Uh, I was
1: about I was about 21. Okay.
0: Okay. I think just that in itself is a good exhortation. A lot of times, I think we get kind of this picture in our mind of what a church planter looks like. And here you said, yeah, I, I didn't start from scratch, but... Yeah. You, it, it it was that same um, mentality of church planning, even back at, at 21 years old.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right.
0: Um, so what are some of the lessons you learned? A, a lot of different places, I, I'm sure that uh, contributed, uh, even mm-hmm. internationally. Um, but what are yeah. some of the lessons you learned over your time doing this?
1: Well, I think one of the lessons is, one of the key lessons is, to work in one location. Now that may sound silly. Of um, course, church planting, you're you're starting in one location, but that's not always true. Um, sometimes I, I know of of uh individuals and assemblies, they'll go and help out an hour away from their local assembly. They'll go to flea market and set up a booth and they're an hour away from their own assembly, mm-hmm. or, or, or they'll do something else 40, 45 minutes away. I think one of the key lessons is to to labor, to work, to develop the work in your own area mm. and uh, in the area that uh, the assembly is going to be, whether it starts out in a home and, uh, and you know, home Bible studies, children's work, uh, door-to-door work, uh, fair work, put a booth up in a local fair a few miles away, Um, all of those kinds of things, a number of Bible studies, um, backyard kids clubs, whatever it may be, visitation, uh, all in your own area. And uh, I think that's a very important thing, develop work in your own area. And um, I think that's very key. And uh, I think a lot of times people don't do that. They get an opportunity, you've got to resist the opportunity to say, oh, I'm gonna do something an hour away or, or, or somewhere else. But you, uh, you, you focus on working in your area. And so um, I find uh, at least now, 20 years later, the majority of the people in our local assembly are within 15 minutes away. Mm. And um, currently there's about 125 people and they're 15 minutes away and or less i live two miles away from where the chapel building is and uh, so you can invite a neighbor to vacation bible school it's yeah. five minutes away uh you can have a home bible study it's a few minutes away yeah um right now this this year uh, we've decided to do an evangelistic effort and uh we're seeking to have five uh, i'm sorry ten evangelistic bible studies uh, and they all will be within 15 minutes away mm. and uh, all in different homes in different areas. Um, but you can do that. Now, if you meet someone and you live an hour away, and I know sometimes that that happens, yeah. um, uh, you know, it just is the way it works out, but we try to work locally, win people locally, uh, see people saved, baptized all locally followed up, um, locally. So I think that's one of the first, uh, I think very important keys, uh, in, uh, in church planting is to, to focus and think I'm going to work in this area. This is my mission field. And, uh, I am going to put all my efforts into this particular area. Now I'll say one other thing about working in that, in, in that particular area is that, uh, so we would be involved in home Bible studies. We'd be involved in some door-to-door work. We'd be involved in, in visitation and hospitality. But one of the things that I think is very important and we began to be involved in, and that's youth work from the very beginning. Hmm. Um, uh, is to be involved in all kinds of youth work and be, Backyard kids clubs, it would be a youth group, whatever it may be, it would be involved with young people. And we would have as much outreach as we can. Every idea we could think of, uh, we would be involved with youth youth work. So today, 20 years later, we have a lot of young people, a lot of young families, a lot of young children uh, 40, 50, you know, little children under age of 10 or, or nine or 10, you know, running around on a Sunday morning. And that's because we've labored for 20 years and, and, and seeking to do that. Yeah. And, um, people sometimes remark about that because a lot of places you don't have that, a lot of evangelical churches, um, I was just talking to a man who's from Baptist Church. He said most of their congregation is elderly. Yeah. And that's a big common thing, no matter yeah. where you go. So to be in a church where the majority is is uh is under 40 years old, under 45 years old, it's quite is it's a good thing. And um I think that comes from the um the emphasis on reaching out to young people, to youth high school age. Uh Early on, we began um two retreats. We still do the retreats uh for fifteen years. we've been doing one of them for five or six years uh four or five years we've been doing the other one so retreats kids clubs, youth groups, college and career, whatever it may be uh to keep on working on that and you may not be successful in getting a large number at the very beginning, but keep on uh yeah. working at that. I think that's a very key thing in your in your area yeah yeah Um, so
0: yeah i I was thinking when you were talking about the area you know a lot of times when we're thinking about evangelism and we look in the new testament we see paul jumping around all over the roman empire but he would leave and then he'd come back and the christians that were there yeah they were the ones working it's kind of the untold story of evangelism uh It was that regular working in that that region. Yeah, he he would go and he'd kind of light a fire and then he'd have to run off. Well, yeah. it, they remained and and I, I think that's that's a a good lesson that sometimes isn't highlighted when looking at at evangelism as yeah,
1: well. Absolutely, yeah. You think Paul was staying in place for a month and then he left, but in a lot of cases some cases he did, he did leave in a short period of time but uh, other places he stayed for a year and a half yeah. um or a period of time and uh, and worked in that one particular area and uh and so that's that's a very key thing very very important thing i i
0: also like the point about uh, with the young people because it shows that your focus isn't event based evangelism like we should really be doing evangelism so let's go do something it's, yeah. it's a long-term, uh, yeah. mission and gotcha. where you're saying we're, we're in here for 10, 20, 30 years, <clears throat> let's look down the road. And, and so what's, what's the way so that in 20 years, we do have all these kids running around and, and we do have a healthy, vibrant work. So I, I really like that. Um, uh, the evidence of the focus there,
1: you know, I, I don't think we ever had, uh, an event based, um, uh, like, like a crusade one speaker coming in for three or four or five, six days. Uh, we've had gospel teams come in and that kind of thing for two weeks, but, um, uh, it was just really just regular Bible studies, inviting people, developing that, uh, hospitality, um, uh, working, working with it. And, uh so that's uh, that's what we've done and and i think it's the long it it's the long work and keep on working uh in a particular area that i think is a very big key be consistent keep on working in all different areas you know don't put your eggs in all one basket don't do just one particular thing but yeah. youth work bible studies door to door uh bible teaching all those different areas mm. good good I, I think the second second thing I would say, and it, it, it kind of flows out of what we've been discussing, uh, is that um, I, I guess I would say uh, different kinds of work, different kinds of working, mm. and um, you know it's been said that um, uh, Christian work that works uh, works. I don't know if you got that uh, for Christian work, children's work, youth work. For it to work, it takes work, yeah. and uh, and I think that's true. And I just want to mention three areas of work that I think are very important. And, um, and we have to realize it's not magical. It 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 uh, uh, to see a certain amount of success. Of course, the Lord, uh, He is blessing all that we do. There's nothing really from our own energy uh, that brings the results. But I think the first thing uh in uh in our work is hard work mm. and when you look at what paul did when you look at any any work uh in the new testament it's it's hard work uh it's intensive and it's not just a casual kind of thing that you do if you have a series if you're going to do bible studies over a long period of time there's study there's invitation there's visiting there's a lot a lot that goes into it um a lot of times we would have meals with our Bible studies, light meals with our Bible studies. So, uh, so whoever's coming doesn't have to cook when they come home on a Friday night or Saturday night. And so there's, there's a meal preparation involved. There's study involved. So there's a lot of work involved uh, in, the, in the establishment of a local assembly. Uh, so there's hard work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also teamwork. You know, there's also teamwork. And, uh, and everything you do, you can't get away from working together as a team. And if you're an individual that can't work in a team, you're not going to do very well uh, in the local church. And you're not going to do, certainly not going to do very well in uh, church planting. Mm -hmm. So teamwork is very important. If you have a vacation Bible school, you can't do it by yourself. Uh, If if you're going to have any kind of successful teamwork, uh, successful vacation Bible school, you're going to... Uh, you're gonna have uh teamwork. Uh, you need a lot of people involved to make it work. If you're gonna do a Bible study, you need a number of people that are gonna help. You're gonna need a number of believers that are gonna be there that are gonna help uh in a Bible study over a long period of time, over many, many weeks, either every week or every two weeks, uh over a period of months. That's that's teamwork yeah. and having them work together. And uh whatever it may be, if it's a retreat. And uh, we've done these two retreats, a lot of teamwork involved, a lot of people need to be involved in that. So there's a eldership is, is teamwork, uh, working together as a number of different uh, men who are teaching and uh, working with them together uh, is teamwork. So uh, to be successful, and I would say even at a church, that's a pastor-based church, you got to have teamwork. The pastor is not doing it by himself. If you think... Yeah. Uh, in, in, a, in an evangelical uh, church like that, there's a lot of a lot of parts, a lot of moving parts, a lot of workers that are involved. And so there's there's a hard work, uh, there's teamwork, and uh, there's what I like to call long haul work. You got to be in it for the long haul, twenty years, twenty you know twenty plus years. Yeah, everyone. Uh, that's going to see any work. If you think you're going to see an, uh, an assembly established in five years, you might see that. Um, we grew from 15 to 30, 35 people in one year. Um, but that wasn't, that was, that was a weak work in a lot of ways were people that came uh, in some ways that, that were not people that we can build on. Yeah. Uh, there were people that, that needed a, a lot of attention. And, uh, and, and so, uh, but we still had 30 people, and you might say, "Well, that's great, got 30 people." But um, it, it's a long haul to be where we are now. That that is fairly strong, fairly independent, good leaders. Um, I think uh, takes takes a long time, yeah. and uh, so there's the long haul work of of uh, shepherding, teaching, discipleship, hospitality, children's work, planning. Uh, all of those things and getting and seeing people that have gifts develop that mentoring uh, those who have those gifts and uh and all those kinds of things. So, there's the long haul uh, work that's involved in church planting. So, uh, that's very important. It's not, uh, you know, to think somehow and you can look in, in the book of Acts and you see the Apostle Paul's. Uh, Establishing in church after church after church and you think oh that's that's easy that's great right or you might read a biography and and see all the good parts of D.L. Moody or Hudson Taylor and and but you 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 might not get all the the everyday day by day month by month right work that that went involved um, went into it and that was involved so so those things are very important uh as we think about church planting it's a, a lot of work involved.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I think it's good emphasizing first that hard work, uh, knowing you know that counting the cost, knowing that this is the this is the road ahead. Um. One one question I had for you with uh, teamwork. What did you find is the best way? So. You've got all these different things going on. Um, You you know, you said if we had an idea, we're we're trying it out, we're going this way. Um, For that sort of thing not to be disjointed, right? Whereas these people are doing this and that. What was the best way for you all to stay Uh, communicating on the same page, uh, encouraging each other, uh, kind of a teamwork with these different efforts going on with door to door, and with bible studies, all these different things what what was the the way that you felt that you stayed um together that that teamwork aspect
1: well i I think it's the the desire and the commitment to uh to communicate so um that the leaders have the desire to communicate with with other leaders other key 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 leaders and with others so um Probably other assemblies do this, but I send out a weekly prayer list, things that are happening, people who are sick, even with the people who can't come to the prayer meeting, they know what's going on. Mm. Uh we communicate with texting and emails and and uh with our with uh on a, on uh with the elders on probably um every two or three day basis. Uh, we talk within the local uh on Sundays. Uh, we have our, our own meetings, but we also have little times where we say, you know, this is going on. Do you know about that? And they tell me things. So we, we're ongoing. Commu- we're, we're communicating it all the time. Mm. Um, and um, and, and all kinds of details. Now, does that mean we talked about everything? Uh, do, do not certain things fall through the cracks? Yeah, there's probably things that fall through the cracks and we remember it later on. I've done that. I've had that in elders meetings where we've talked about things. I get home, I remember something and then I, I email all the elders, oh, I forgot about this, um, you know, uh, and so forth. So, But it's the desire to say, I want to communicate there's a there's a temptation of someone who's a full time worker who just says well i'll just do it all i'll you know i'll do ninety percent or eighty and whatever, and I just won't communicate well that's that, that's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try to communicate with everyone and uh as much as possible and I think that's that's a very important thing uh, I think it's a very important thing for the long term and it's a very important thing on a day you know, week to week basis uh yeah. to communicate and uh so um yeah so i think it's important and and the the willingness or the the openness the transparency for, for people to come up to you and say oh you know what about this what about that uh, i had lunch yesterday after a meeting and and one of our newer newer believers and his wife and another couple, we, we were out at Olive Garden eating lunch and he brought up a couple of great ideas. And so we just hashed all those ideas out. I said, that's great. I think we could talk about some of those things and probably implement some of those ideas that you have. You know, His idea was to have a volleyball outreach tournament idea and, and, and really get people from the community who loved volleyball, young people, Mm-hmm. uh to use it as an outreach. And we do a little bit of that already. Uh, we do some tournament little kinds of things, but to 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 expand that to a much greater degree and uh use it much more in evangelism. So it's something we could do. And um so uh communication, the desire, the openness uh to be able to communicate yeah. and the busyness of life and all the other things that we have um, the, the willingness and, and, and to see the importance of it. And I think our other elders and we have deacons and we have other leaders, uh, that they see that. Yeah. And so it, that, that's one of the key things. Um, uh, uh, we try, we work at it. Um, uh, I'm not saying we're perfect at it, but we work at it. And, uh, and so forth. Yeah. So I think that's a very key thing in, in teamwork. You can't have teamwork without communication and really have to have that communication. Um, you, you don't always have to be in the same room physically. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can meet via zoom. You can meet via, you know, you could text, you can call, you can do so many different, d- uh, different things. And, uh, but it's good to, uh, good to communicate. I think it's very, very important yeah. uh, to communicate. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh, those are uh, good points, especially, you know, nowadays, it's so much easier to communicate. Yeah, right. Um, But just because we have the tools doesn't mean we always do it the the way we should. Yeah,
1: that's right. That's right. Um, I think another lesson that we've learned is that, and uh, it's just uh, an amazing thing how God, how, how all the all the blessing and all the results you see and all, uh, the ones that have been saved and be baptized and just the measure of success you might see in a ministry and activity, uh, a Bible study, uh, you, you begin to see it's all, it's all of God. Mm-hmm. It's all the Lord. Uh, there's a beautiful verse in, um, in Joshua, when Joshua is involved in uh, a battle and, uh, and these five kings of the Amorites come, and they're involved in a battle. Um, in verse 10 of that chapter, it, it says, that The Lord routed them, the Lord slew them, the Lord chased them along the way, the Lord struck them. Now, in, in these in these verbs that are used here, of course, there's individuals involved in that. When he said he slew them, he didn't physically wield the sword. Right. to do that. But he used them. But the victory was all in the hands of the Lord. Mm. And I think Joshua and, and all of his soldiers would have said, it's the Lord that did it. So in each of these verbs, the Lord did it through their efforts, but the Lord was the, was the force behind the victory. Mm. And I think that's the case, uh, I think, in, in church planting. You begin to see victories, begin to see people saved, and you begin to see people baptized and going on for the Lord. And you really say, uh, it's of the Lord. This is, yeah. this is, uh, the Lord's doing, and this is the Lord's victory. This is the Lord's blessing we've seen in, in certain cases, we've seen alcoholics, um, uh, getting a certain amount of victory from, from that addiction. We've seen marriages saved, um, we've seen people saved we've seen great but i would say great supplies of financial support to be able to purchase land uh get a building established and uh and so it's uh it, it's just we just look back and say it, it, it could only have been accomplished through what the lord has done mm. and uh in in all of that i would say this too as a as a lesson uh you begin something you begin an initiative you begin a work and i'll give you an example of of something we in the very first or second year we we had we've had vacation bible school every year even without a building uh we used a farm at one point and uh and uh so we had vacation bible school and and although we only had a few few children in the assembly, we, we were getting 60 kids to vacation Bible school wow. uh, and on this farm, and there was animals there. It was kind of a, a unique uh, setting. Uh, but we said to ourselves, let's follow this up. This is great. We're getting 60 kids, and so we get three or four in, the Sunday in, in our own chapel. Uh, let's follow this up, and let's have a fall event, a fall festival. Or we have bombing for apples and a petting zoo and and so forth. So why don't we do that? So we did it. We did that. And uh, and it was moderately successful. You know, we had some of the kids come out and some of the parents came out. It was kind of an all-day thing. You can come and go and and, and all that kind of thing. Uh, and so we did that the following year. But then um, the campground, the local assembly camp, about an hour and 15, 20 minutes away, they said, you know, we have an event around in the fall, around the same time. Uh they said, you know, why don't you think of of um of, of joining together? Yeah. And they said, not not that you would come to camp. You could just we, we could just stop doing what we're doing, and encourage the people who were coming to the camp event to come to your event. Oh wow. So we did that. So this uh this relatively little Work this fall festival. We, we the, the next year, uh, with their help and the and, uh, help of different ones, that event turned out to be having 80. We had 80 people come, young people, an all day event. And we had one message that was given, and we just had some games and activities. And we did it the following year, and we got even more kids coming, and uh, and we had, we had two messages. And, uh, and we had a little bit more spiritual input to it. And people were coming from a distance. And we said, that's great. And so we thought, you know, we need more space. Uh, we were doing this on this farm that we had access to. And, uh, and so we said, let's go to the camp. Let's go back to the camp. So we, can... <laughs> uh, we started where we were. Some folks from the camp came. Now we're going back for a one day, a one day event. And we were getting 80 and 100 people to that event. And uh, now the previous event at camp, the camp was getting 25 people. Mm. And uh, so it was a little fall festival. And eventually it turned into what we call Walkworthy Weekend. We've had it for 15 years now. And we average about 100, 110 uh, young people between 14, 15 years old up to 25 years old that have come. We've had people saved at, at, the, uh, at the retreat, uh, at the weekend. And, uh, and you think it started as a fall festival, right. but now 100 kids over a 15 year period, 1500 people have gone through and been touched, have heard the message, have heard gospel message, Bible teaching messages uh, through something. Something begins as a very small initiative and then you don't know where it's going to end, and it hasn't ended yet, so it's still going on. And then out of that, we started another uh, youth retreat, and this one we started in the midst of COVID, hmm. and uh, the camp wasn't operating; we they weren't they weren't having retreats or any kind of meeting. So we decided to do it at our own chapel building. We do it outside. We can do this in Florida a little bit more. So uh, in the springtime, we decided in March that we would do that, and, uh, and we call it Authentic Faith Weekend, uh, and we started three or four years ago. I think this is our fourth year, and, uh, and the young people come from really all over, from Georgia and all, all over Florida, and they stay in homes. So there's come stay in homes, come to the chapel building. We have activities outside. We have a volleyball tournament that we do with them. And uh, and this has grown beyond what we thought it would be. We thought it'd be a one, uh, maybe a, a one event because of the midst of COVID. And then we right. would stop and we would go back. But uh, it, 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 it worked out so well. Young people liked it so much that uh, we just kept on doing it. We only had three messages in that weekend. It was really Saturday, Sunday. Everybody arrives on a Friday night. Uh, but something kind of amazing happened. We only had three messages. And uh, the young people came to us and said, you know, we need more messages. We need more teaching. And so we said, okay. So we added another meeting to Saturday. So now there's four plus a break of the bread. But I just say all that to say you begin something small. You don't know where it's going to go. Even beginning an assembly, you begin something small, a home, a small home Bible study. You don't know where it's going to go. And so uh, it's a lesson I've learned, you know, don't be afraid to start an initiative. Don't be afraid to start something because you don't know what the Lord's going to do with it. Sometimes he's not going to, maybe it won't go anywhere. It won't go very far. Other times the Lord takes something and it uh, it, it has a much wider uh, sphere of blessing than you ever imagined it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think of, uh, I've just been reading through uh, Nehemiah in the opening chapters. And, you know, in chapter two, he walks around the wall and he sees the great need. Uh, and all through that section, uh, when he talks about the project, it it's all about God uh this is god's work god 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 right and and it's never you know i'm coming to to save the day um mm-hmm. but but this is the work and then and then he rallies the people at the end of the chapter it says let's go do it yeah. yeah and right away he faces opposition to it and this kind of comes back to this idea that it is going to be hard work there is going to be mm-hmm. opposition to it yeah. But uh you know, as you read through the rest of the book, you see how he deals with that opposition um along the
1: way. Absolutely. Um and um and uh when you see what he's doing, you're you're encouraged to do even more. Mm. Uh, when you see some of the Lord's hand in things. And uh I think another this isn't a lesson so much, but I, I would share um, you know over the years, over the last, I say 30 years, uh, 30 or 40 years, uh, I've been, uh, surprisingly, I, I, I was commended in 1983 and, uh, so now we're in 2024. So I've been in the Lord's work 40 years, wow. uh, which is even is very hard to imagine. But, um, but in those 40 years, you know, in the very beginning, there was, you know, if you're going to do evangelism, um, in the different assemblies that I was involved in, you were going to you know, have a speaker come and they were very good speakers and you would uh, invite people. And in the earlier days, you would get, some, you would see some people saved. We we did see people saved that way. Very few, but we saw some people saved and, and some people who continued on. Um, but that began to wane. And then you begin to do uh, personal evangelism. And so you had, you had um, seminars and you had studies and you had, evangelism explosion, um, and a lot of personal evangelism. You had books, uh, a lot of books on personal evangelism. And, uh, so this was the great emphasis and the four spiritual laws and, uh, and winning others to the Lord one-to-one. And, um, and so you, you did those kinds of things, um, but as you read the literature today, and I, I began to do this as, you know, involved for 20 years, you're involved in, in a church planting. You say, what are the most effective ways of evangelism? What are other churches doing that are really effective? Yeah. You know, maybe we, can, maybe we can use some of that. And, and so you began to read. So I began to do that, try to get as many books as I could, try to read as much as I could uh, on the subject. And I was finding uh, over and over again, it came back to, to church planting, uh, that began to be the means, the, the most effective means of, uh, of winning, winning people to the Lord in a local church context. So you, you know, you want to win people to the Lord and get them to come and be involved in your local church. Um, to me, that was what I wanted to do. Now, anyone that got saved, we are happy for that. Sometimes you go visit someone who's, who's, uh, whose relative sister or whatever it may be is in the hospital or go visit them. And if they got saved, that was, that was wonderful. They may never come to, to the local church, but really the goal is we want to build that up. We want to get people into the local assembly. And, uh, and so the principles of, of, uh, of church planting is very important. So the Southern Baptist, um, they have uh, something called, the you know, the North American uh, I think, Missions Committee, and, uh, and they, they encourage uh, established a, a churches to give 10% of their budget, 10% of their collections uh, to an organization just for church planting so, so they can give resources and funds uh, to start new, new churches. That's what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And they will argue that in an established uh, local church, and that's been around 25-30 years. They'll see on an average three persons say 3.4 uh, people saved per hundred. Um, but they see in the new church plant efforts, and we've seen this too. In the new church plant efforts, you see something like 12 or 13 people saved per oh, hundred. Wow. So f- four four times. Yeah. Four times. And we we've seen that ourselves. I think we have in the past 20 years, especially in the last 15 years, seen 50, uh 40, high high 40s or 50 people uh saved and baptized, and uh maybe a few more saved that were not baptized. And uh and I know other assemblies have been around for a lot of years. So if they see anybody saved in a year or five years, that'd be quite something. Yeah. Um, but we 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 are seeing two, three up to six people baptized in a year. So um so church planting has something to do with that. And the reason for that I think is because you begin as a small group and uh and there's this tremendous hunger, you know, if we don't uh if you've got this committed group and they realize that if they don't begin to speak to the neighbor, bring people to a Bible study, get involved in different aspects of what we're doing, if uh, we, we, we don't see people saved and come to the, uh, the work of the, the local church, then we're not going to exist. We're going we're gonna to close. Yeah. And, uh, and so there's this urgency. There's a sense of urgency to that, good, healthy urgency. Mm-hmm. And more so than in the local church, you know, I'm just going to show up on a Sunday or a Wednesday, and I don't have that same urgency. I don't have that same, uh, same concern. For souls, or for my neighbor, or or any of those kinds of things. So, uh, so when you think about wanting to see more people saved, um, I really believe that seeing uh, more local assemblies started is a, a very big key. And I'd love to see more local assemblies started. And the ones who have gotten started, I think they've seen. They've seen good numbers of people saved, and uh, and so that is a very very important thing. Um, another lesson uh, I want to mention, and that's prayer, hmm. and uh, I think uh, prayer has has become such an important part of uh, of a church planted effort and our our local church. Uh, so mornings of prayer. Um, a couple times a year, at least once, sometimes three, sometimes four times a year, we'll have um, we'll have mornings of prayer, Saturday mornings of prayer will start at nine, we'll go to eleven, thirty or 12. We won't have lunch. Um, people can can leave before that. but a lot of times it goes past twelve uh, in our times of prayer, we begin with uh, 30 or forty minutes, forty five minutes of just personal prayer for yourself. We break up. We might sing a hymn. We might have a brother share a devotional thought for five, six minutes between uh, between the next the next uh, group of prayer, and then we'll pray in groups of two or three. We'll break up. And we'll go all over the uh, the building. Some will go outside, and uh, we'll pray for another forty minutes. And we'll have a prayer list, and then continually. We have we have index cards that we hand out and people will add uh add to that and we'll mention those uh those prayer items and we'll pray and then we'll we'll go on and then we'll have some more corporate prayer. And um and we just see we we just see a real and sometimes we get twenty-five or thirty people from uh, the local church to come uh to these times of prayer. Um there's there's times that we uh pray at different other times the ladies pray, the men pray. Uh on a Wednesday night, instead of doing some teaching, uh, we have a time of just committing the whole time to prayer. Um we send out prayer emails uh of different needs that come up. And and so I think it's a real there's a real urgency to prayer. We've seen uh I think people heal because of that. We've seen marriages helped because mm. of of uh of the prayer time, sometimes real transparency, uh, in our prayer, prayer life. I think the younger a congregation is the more transparent the congregation is the more there's new ones being saved. The more transparent in prayer that, um, that, uh, a, a congregation is, I haven't learned, uh, yet, <laughs> uh, they're not shy about their prayer needs. And so they'll just, they'll, they'll bring all of these different items before the Lord. And so, uh, it it's it's uh, a great thing great thing to see god answer prayer uh financial needs and um and so forth so uh i think that's a real lesson uh that I've learned over the years is the the whole area of, of prayer and uh, individual prayer corporate prayer prayer times with the local church and uh and prayer with each other
0: yeah i i think You know, we see the emphasis on it in in the life of the Lord Jesus, uh, in in the teaching, the Apostles' Doctrine on prayer. Uh, We understand the need for prayer. Uh, It's there. But then there's there's this hurdle uh, when it comes to prayer uh, for a group of believers to be committed together in prayer and uh, I've seen it, you know, it, it, you see the group on Sunday, and then the group for the prayer meeting, and you see it, you see a difference. Um, you, you mentioned even in the uh, the first meeting you were at after you got saved, yeah. the, the difference yeah. in the size. And um, I think it is something that it takes an, that uh, level of commitment for. Um, and like you said, it's something that you've learned through experience. You've seen the value of it, mm-hmm. and um, to see the value of it, uh, not just personally. I think it's important personally, but then collectively as a group to gather, to pray. Um, it is. It, it can be difficult uh, to, to reach that, that point. Is there anything you've seen to kind of help that encourage that, to promote? I, I, I like the idea of the communication, communicating out prayer requests um, to let people know how they can be praying. But are there other things that you've seen to kind of help encourage that? Because it is an area um, where I think the enemy likes to um, discourage, dissuade uh, us from from meeting and praying together.
1: I think something we do as well that that helps us, um, um, we don't do it every year, but we've done it a number of times that we purchase a book, and uh, that we think is an excellent book on prayer, or or other parts of the Christian life, but oftentimes on prayer. Last year we purchased uh, the Pursuit of God by A. W. Tozer. Uh, it's not really a book on prayer, but it's a book on the spiritual life, and. But we, uh, I we we purchased uh, a number of years ago the book "Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire." Uh, don't know if you're familiar with that, but that's a book on prayer. That's a book uh, Jim Simbola, uh, who's a pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, and uh, it, it's really a book on prayer and the the history of that particular church, which is a church planting kind of situation
0: mm-hmm. and
1: it's a it's a it's, it has been a it, it was a great help and we're going to so a couple of years ago we've got newer people and as elders we said we're going to buy that book again so next yeah. year we're going to buy you know more copies of that book and uh, have it available it's a very encouraging book i believe it's very he's very humble in his writing and, uh, and I think it's very, uh, very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he's got a few other books on prayer as well, but that, I think that book is the the most, uh, most helpful of his books. So books are important. You know, communication is important. We, we have prayer lists, of course, are important as people, people feel because we pray and we have prayer lists, uh, people will send us and say, this happened, uh, This, this, the, the, my, my, my son's in a hospital, uh, what, whatever it may be, some, some situation. Um, and so I will send out an urgent prayer email, just one, just one email, you know, just one item in that and, uh, and send it to everyone and, um, and so forth. So, uh, we do that. Um, another thing I think to help in prayer, um, is that we have a strong missions emphasis. Mm. So, um, at the end of the year, we have a, a missionary project. During the course of the year, we often have another missionary project. So we we try to collect funds, uh, for uh, would be Bibles for India and for for Kenya or an orphanage. This this past year, it was an orphanage in Kenya, uh, for India for other situations, and uh, and so we pray for that. We're giving towards it. We're praying for them. Uh, we're praying for those funds to be used this is a more of a reality kind of thing yeah. uh, we're able to collect um we we do a little something uh, maybe be encouragement to others that we notice by reading in in the book of acts chapter 11 and i think it's verse 29 it said when they were collecting funds for the uh the famine in jerusalem mm-hmm. it said every brother of brothers gave to this I think the emphasis is each one gave according to their ability, according yeah. to what they could give. So we thought to ourselves, you know, what, we, what we'll do is we used to give, just give to a project, you know, give to whatever a, a mission's need there might be. And we still every month give towards missions. Uh, but we decided to have these end of year projects. And we thought to ourselves, what we're going to do as a church, as a chapel, we will, we will uh, as an elders will set aside $500 towards this project. And then for, for a month or for six weeks at the, the end of the year or the middle of the year, we'll leave it open to the believers to add to that. So here's this orphanage in uh, Nairobi or Bible project. Last year it was Bibles in uh, different countries, different languages in Africa. And, uh, and so in past years, uh, we would get, the job would kick in 500 and we would find, we would get 2,500. It would yeah. kick in another another $2,000. Yeah. And we thought that was fantastic. And uh, But then uh, we see that grow a little bit to about 3,000. Last year, it made a big jump. And it was the the Bibles for Africa. So we had Swahili, we had a Maasai, we had Tonga Bibles, Uganda Bibles for for believers in Uganda. We had about five or six countries that we are providing Bibles for, and uh, we had six thousand oh, dollars. Still wow. the five hundred that we we haven't we haven't increased that amount. <laughs> uh, but believers are giving more now to yeah. the orphanage. Just this past year, uh, eight thousand dollars. Wow. So eight thousand dollars to go to an orphan in Kenya is is like maybe three times that amount in in value to them right. in Kenya. So we pray for that. So that's a reality. So uh, pray for how they're going to use that. Uh, we are encouraged by the amount that came in. We're encouraged for the Bibles, how God will use the Bibles, and uh, and uh, we get pictures back of whole assemblies in a thatch hut uh, building in some maasai area of kenya holding all of them having bibles see our burden yeah. last year was um, a missionary came and said three or four believers will have a bible in an assembly of 50 or 40 well wow. all the others don't have bibles so we said well let's let's work on that yeah. and so uh, we wanted everyone to get a bible we didn't want to hand them out to unbelievers that, that was that was fine if that happened but our burden was to get them into the hands of believers yeah. And we asked them. Once we did that, we distribute them, got them to workers, and the workers then went out to these different assemblies, and to take a picture, have them have them stand in front of their building, and and have them all hold their Bible up, and mm-hmm. in front of them. Well, that was a great encouragement. So we get those pictures, we put them on a screen, and and so some of these things help in the whole area of prayer. Um, but I would say something else in the in the church planting situation. In a church planting situation, I think there's greater needs. Uh, you're expanding. You need you need a building. You might need land. You might need to build build a building. Uh, you might need um, you have a new believer and he gets laid off from work, and we've we've paid for the rent uh, for someone, and we've given gifts to them for for various reasons, for for health reasons or hospital bills or whatever it may be uh you're 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 winning people and they're coming from all different uh backgrounds of life and needs in life and so uh we're praying for them we're helping them financially to some degree but we're the these needs come up so these are real needs in their lives and uh so and I think in a church planting situation it's a little bit different than in an established group where you see only a few trickle in sometimes into your work. So uh, I think that helps a lot in our, in our prayer life and how we pray. Mm. Uh, So I would say those, those areas and, uh, and, and the, 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 the the communication of the idea prayer is important. We want to pray. We will pray. If you send, if you send us prayer needs, we will pray for them. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, And uh, and so that's, that's an important thing. And uh, so I think, um, and I think asking God for great things Uh, when you're in a a church planting situation, when you're in an established church, that's got pretty much everything. They've got a building, they've got uh, a certain amount of believers, you know, you you kind of, you know, rest, uh, you know, take a little bit of a break. In that, but in a, a church planting situation, if you if you look around, and you say, you know, we're growing. We need a place to meet, and uh, and we begin to look around and say, what's it going to cost? What's well, going to cost to It may cost them um, you know, five hundred thousand dollars to get land and then get a building. Yeah, and you don't have you have two thousand in the in the and and the and the bank account, and you start praying for five hundred thousand dollars. You'd be preparing for land, five acres, six acres, whatever it may be, and and, and, and well, that's pretty pretty uh, you know audacious kind of uh, thing. Yeah. Um, to see the Lord do that. In one case, we got land. We we actually got the five acres of land, and I think it's a tremendous property. It's on a good uh, a good road, and uh, and it was one hundred twenty thousand dollars. And the way the Lord, it was originally at 150 and we offered 90,000 and they came down to 140 and we went up to like 100 and, uh, and then they came down to 130. We went up to 110, but then it stopped there. Yeah. We couldn't, you know, they wouldn't come down any further. And so we prayed about it and we talked to the realtor and uh, whatever, maybe it won't work out. But about six months later, he went back to the seller and said, "Would you go to 120?" I think the the buyer will go to 120. And he didn't talk to us. He's just talking. He's just talking as a salesman. Yeah. And uh, so he came to us. would you go to 120? Well, that was hard for us. 110 was hard for us. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're we're only 25 believers, and uh, you know, we need to come up with a down payment of at 120 of twenty four thousand dollars now we began to save and we had we had more and more money um but we were short yeah we were short for the down payment we wanted we wanted to buy it at 120 we were short and uh but one of the sisters came and gave us a check for the exact amount mm. for that property so we we bought that property at 120 now that was uh, about 10 12 years ago 15 years ago now 120 for 5 acres of land in our town seems like seems like the most tremendous bargain yeah. you could ever imagine <laughs> but at that point it was very hard so we prayed so those kind of things and then building and paying it off and and we paid it off in 3 or 4 years wow. and and all that kind of thing it it helps taking a stand and and stepping out in faith and and uh, having vision and and doing things that are beyond your ability, uh, your your seemingly ability to to do, uh, just helps just helps the prayer the prayer in local church. We begin to pray in a very different way. Um, so um, and, and
0: I like the, yeah. this idea that you you know we talked about uh, staying local. But yeah. Then but you that mindset it isn't one that keeps you from looking at missions, which I really uh, appreciated as well. It it actually, it encourages this. It's almost like they feed on each other, right? That the idea is uh, we're here uh, to do the work of God. If that's encouraging other people in their local place, we're encouraging them. And then you talked about how other people are encouraging you in your local place. It's not that y'all are trying to, uh, start something in these other countries, you're just trying to encourage them as they work in their local sphere. And Absolutely. then other people, they're encouraging you in your local sphere. So I really like, even if someone is listening and they're in an established meeting and mm-hmm. and, to, and they say, well, how do I get this going? You know, you're saying with um, when you're in this uh, smaller uh, new work, it kind mm-hmm. of it it, yeah. it it leans towards that but i, I w- w- when you have uh this mission works it, it gets that that moving as
1: well i think that's true but as you begin to do that missions work and when i say we work locally we do but we don't we don't say that we can't work anywhere else yeah and uh so Uh, so at one point, a a number of years ago, we had a brother who was a pharmacist and he was going to, I I was going to retire early at 55. And so I said, what are you going to do with your time? What what are your plans? What are you going to do in your retirement? Mm -hmm. He said, I'm going to go to Africa as a missionary, as a self-supporting missionary to help orphanages. Mm. So he did that after his retirement. He's still doing that now. He's in his early sixties. Uh, and, uh and so forth. So we help him. He, he's a, he's a, a communication vehicle for, for, for us to know where do these Bibles go and who are yeah. the key people for the, and where, who are some of the key workers that we could work with and so forth. And he, he himself is, uh, helping orphanages being self-sufficient, uh, by, uh, planting fruit trees and a couple of other types of, of things. But then, uh, then there's others in the assembly that have been encouraged and they've gone on short mission trips to Africa Mm, and see what he's doing and what these areas that we have supported, what they're doing. And, uh, and so we don't know where that's going to end. Maybe someone will go as a missionary uh, to those, uh, to, to Africa or somewhere else. So, um, you don't know as you begin something, uh, but it's just encouraging and uh it it, it's it's just good to uh, so it all comes out of prayer it out of prayer it comes out of your efforts uh you know efforts in church planting and and leading people to the lord and 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 that kind of thing and i think there's a freshness and there's a there's a a genuineness or 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 something like that when you work in i will call it a very primitive way you know um when we have our baptisms, we go to a park with a lake. Uh, when we do home Bible studies, we didn't have a building for a long time. For 12 years, we didn't have a building. We met in homes. We met wherever we could. Vacation Bible schools on farms and open areas and, you know, Bible studies in homes and other places and, and all those kinds of things. So um, there's something refreshing. Uh, people opening their homes, people opening what they what they have uh and just working without the traditional trappings of a uh you know what an established work would have yeah. and uh and so uh there's something very good about that um so i you know we uh, <laughs> uh we we met in homes for a long time and then one day we got you know we got a building we bought the land we got the building and and, and so it was all great and uh, i said well i guess we'll meet there you know now Uh, During the week, you know, I said, yeah, you know, I kind of, I said, I kind of, you know, I kind of sad about that, you know, (laughs) Uh, I kind of like doing this, you know, so we're going back to it, though, we're hoping to go back these 10 uh, evangelistic Bible studies and homes, it's a little bit of going back, we're going to keep our midweek, we have a very good attendance in our midweek meeting, Uh, I think probably better than some places. Uh, I wouldn't say it's the whole amount, but it's, it's a good, healthy group that, that comes out. And uh, but we want to do something more, so we're going back to because I think using homes mm. is a very effective means for evangelism. Yeah, we've seen more people saved in homes um, than almost any other way, and right. uh, and so uh, we want to do that. If we can multiply that and have ten homes doing that kind of thing, inviting people in their their area, that'd be that'd be a great thing. So um yeah. Uh one other lesson and um and then uh and we'll see where we'll go from there. Uh I, I think the last one is the the emphasis and the importance of preaching the scriptures, preaching the word. And I think this is this is very, very important um you know every church you know has bible teaching in some some manner yeah. uh of course but i feel like uh when you start off in a new work you don't have you don't have all the you know all all, all the the support and all the background uh that you have in more established work you don't have the resources mm-hmm. of an established work but um so but preaching and teaching the Word of God is such an important thing. Everyone that's gotten saved has gotten saved through uh, through home Bible study, through preaching it some, and, and, and some aspect. And, uh, and so it's very, very important. So when you start, I believe you need to have at least one person, if you have more than that, that's wonderful, who is an effective, capable Bible teacher, preacher. Uh, i don't think you'll go very far i don't think a church planting work will 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 develop very far without that mm. and uh so i think it's very very important um we uh we didn't always do this we always did it to some degree but now we do it in a greater degree and that's consecutive bible teaching so we have we have uh, we go through books of the bible okay so uh, last year two years ago, we did the prison epistles. Uh, so Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, and, uh, and Philemon this past year, first, second, uh, Peter and James this year, 2024, we're doing Hebrews. And, uh, and so on a Sunday morning consecutively, uh, we, we take five verses. We've discovered now all those passages I told you about, they're all, they're all epistles. And, uh, they're not narrative type passages like first Samuel, 2nd Samuel. So you um you might take larger sections in those books. Yes. Yeah. But in in these epistles, uh we find only we started out taking ten verses, so we found out that's too much. So we go to five, five verses each. So we had a brother just yesterday, he, he did probably the five most difficult verses, maybe in the New Testament. Uh, James chapter five verses one through five. Uh, you know, woe to the rich and uh, those who oppress uh, those who who labor for you and uh, all the judgment it's a very hard kind of a hard passage and uh, but he's uh he's a brother that's been over a period of time been with us for a while, uh, but has been doing preaching and so we have so we, we mentor and we encourage. Um, as many men as possible um, to to do that, to preach. And so um, we may have 11 or 12, and we we believe it's important to have about 85% of the preaching done by those within your local assembly. You know, I think at the church at Antioch, it had five or six teachers. They didn't have anybody coming in from the local assembly, you know, uh, 30 minutes away. Uh, right. They depended entirely upon the gift that was in their local assembly and they developed that gift in that local assembly. And I think this was true all through the all through the New Testament. This was true when Paul was established a work in Philippi. There's no other assemblies around that you could you might have some traveling preachers who would come through, but that probably was a rarity. It wasn't yeah. a common thing. So uh, we we uh we want to develop that and we want to develop them into good preachers. Mm-hmm. You don't want to just say, hey, you, you know, you take a passage and, and you, know, you know, you're on your own uh, and so forth. So we want, we're working now with two younger brothers to develop them. We're giving them opportunities and mentoring them and working with them. We believe too that each elder uh, should be an effective uh, communicator of God's word. So um, there may be some assemblies that have an elder that doesn't do any preaching but we feel like uh, the qualifications tell us that an elder should be apt to teach, skillful in teaching, and should be uh, should be engaged in that work. Should be able to refute the gainsayers. Should be able to to uh, to teach and protect the flock and shepherd the flock. And so we uh, and we have that. I believe in our local assembly, and we have others uh, as well. And uh, and that's such an important thing. So uh, I think there's some key things. I think, uh, and I believe the assembly grows through it. We often say at the end, what we really want. And we often ask, and we will say to believers, sometimes just one-to-one, usually one-to-one. Are you growing? Mm. You've been growing this year through the ministry of the word. That's a good question. You know, so we had, um, we had uh, a young lady come in move to our, our area she was living in tampa Uh she's from argentina so was her husband and they both attended word of life uh, institute four years in argentina so they're, they're they're pretty serious christians but they were going to a church a mega church in in tampa uh, about a thousand people but they said to us and they came out on wednesday they weren't they weren't looking to leave their church um, they just wanted on Wednesday, they wanted uh, an in-depth Bible study. And uh, say so we're learning, we want, we want in-depth. And then they said to us, you know, we're not growing at mm-hmm. our Sunday mornings at our local church. He was, they were Spanish speaking. And they said, the only reason we're there is because I have a Spanish Bible study uh, on a Sunday morning. But I'm not growing. We're not growing through that. Right. We want to be somewhere we can hear the word of God and we can grow. So they start coming on Wednesday night and um and over a period of time they left the other church and they're with us uh full time. And uh and so I said to them. I said are you growing? Are you have you, you know, hopefully you're you're growing through I said we are. We're learning more things, we're growing more than we ever did. Wow. And that's refreshing to me, not that we are all seminary trained and uh yeah. uh and and uh you know, consider ourselves uh, at a high, high level of of teaching, but we're teaching the word, we're studying it the best we can, we're mentoring each other, building each other up, that we can grow in the word. And so So, the preaching of the word at a a relatively high level, where people can grow through it, is a very important thing. Now, one last thing about the word, is we do something uh, maybe a little different, maybe not, and uh, uh, other assemblies in, in North America. Uh, but we have we have three meetings in the morning. So we we have our breaking of bread at nine fifteen. Goes to roughly about ten fifteen, and then we have a middle class. We call it you know, it's adult maybe adult Sunday school. You might call it. Okay. So it goes from ten fifteen to about uh, ten minutes to eleven. And then there's a break from 10 minutes to 11 to quarter after, and then 1115 to 1215. So we have two teaching sessions, uh, Sunday morning. Now the, um, we call it the middle class, the adult, we have three, we have three classes of different topics, uh, in one room we go through right now, Matthew's gospel, and that's consecutive teaching. Uh, I'm involved in another room. Uh, And a topical topical right now we're going through early chapters of Genesis and creation of the flood and, and some some areas of that. And, uh, and then there's another study in another part of the building. So we have three, three areas people can go to. And, uh, and these are conversational teaching with questions interactive. And I think that's very helpful. Mm -hmm. And I think to have some interactive uh, is good. I think it's good to have consecutive teaching. I think it's good to have home studies that we have. They're evangelistic and teaching. We use Christianity Explored. That's very helpful. And, and so all these different tools, all these different means, I think is a very, uh, a very good thing. So uh, back to you know, what I was, when I began with, I think teaching the word uh, is very crucial don't take it casually. Don't take it for granted. Don't, uh, I think it, it, it is really the heart of everything you do. If that's right, it covers up a lot of other things. Um, hopefully you get all those right too, but the word is good and you've got some good teachers. I think is very, very helpful. And, um, so, so those are some lessons I've learned, uh, over the years. And, um, one, one
0: quick question I was going to ask yeah. about, uh,
1: you talk about training up
0: younger men, uh, yes. to teach, what are some, uh, if you could hit some of the high points, what are some of the things that you would do to help help those young men grow in that way?
1: Well, we might do a, a few different kinds of things. So one of the things on, on a Wednesday night, we'll, we'll give them a short uh, bit of time. So we we'll give them 15 minutes yeah. and, um, and we'll uh we'll have two people, two brothers do 15 minutes, or we'll have an elder and a young younger brother do it. Just last night I sent out a text to a guy that has been doing 15 minutes and been teaching um youth. So we have youth meetings and he'd been doing some of the youth meetings. And so I said to him, I said, I said, Can you do 30 minutes for us on a Wednesday night? So so we um now we, we usually do consecutive. So Sunday mornings, and, and sometimes that's difficult going through Hebrews for someone who's a new, right. a new believer. So, um, uh, now Sunday, uh, Wednesday nights, we're going through revelation. And so that's also difficult for some yeah. people, but there are some easier chapters or, or portions in, in revelation, uh, chapter five about worship and, and Christ. So, um, so we'll ask a brother, whether he could take part of that or we'll say is there anything that that you have just an interest in that's on your heart that you've been reading thinking about a book that you read that you've got a special interest in and i say oh yeah yeah this this thing or that thing so that's good i said let's find and we'll get another brother and we'll tell him okay we're going to go in this direction we're going to um do this or this and uh and you do this side of it you know uh God's love for the world, our love for God. And take these two different sides to it. And, um, and you do that. And then we try to meet with them. We try to provide books for them. We have one of our younger brothers we're working with. Uh, he's actually gonna do Hebrews, a part of, a part of Hebrews. So um, I'll meet with him. I told him I'll, I'll, I'll try to dig out some commentaries uh that he might not have and uh that he has some resources we'll meet together um meet you a little bit about how to put it together and uh and then some of the brothers will will even you know type out all their notes and email them to me and say what do i think and we'll we'll interact back and forth on that this brother that just spoke on this past Sunday he did that with me and he sent me his notes and some other uh, some other things that he was going to fill in, uh, his message. And then we interacted sometimes and I'll give us some, some ideas. And and, in this brother's case, um, he is a real studier, real researcher, but his, where, where he needs work on is to do the preaching of it. You know, I I don't, I don't want to to be too loose, but he needs to get past all of the studying and just really, uh, begin to preach it. You know, not just to read it. He doesn't really read it, but he's so careful about his his study. He wants to be very exacting, and he doesn't. It begins to be kind of like not reading, but uh presenting a paper, where yeah. he's got to learn. It's good good content, but he learns to, he's going to learn to preach it, and and get his emotion and heart into it more. So there's all kinds of aspects. Some person has a lot of heart into it, but not enough not enough study in it. And uh, and so forth. And I might say, you've got a lot in there, but you need to bring out a doctrine. You know, in what you're saying, you need to bring out a little bit of a doctrine or a little bit of an application. Uh, in the case of this past week, um, it was a hard passage, a lot about the, the warnings to the rich. And I said, you know, it'd be good to pull out a doctrine about Christ. Mm. Um, you know, Christ is rich, but he's not like they are. Yeah, right, right. They're rich, but they're they're acting the way they shouldn't act. So maybe you could bring out something about the richness of Christ and how how what he is like. So sometimes you've got to um, uh, in in the preaching part of it. So there's interaction back and forth. Uh, We're we. We recognize, and this is a little bit of a difficulty that it took time to, to work on, uh, to say there are brothers, great brothers, who um, who may share at the breaking of bread, but they're not teachers. They're not preachers. Even though they present something at the breaking of bread, maybe, or even to a Sunday school class, or maybe in a few other places, just a little bit, but they're not preachers. They have a hard time developing the word they have a heart they just they don't have the gift of 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 teaching and um and so it, it's its taken a while because we've tried to develop people someone who's beginning to show real interest and real love for the Lord at the lord's Supper you well know, maybe that he would be a potential speaker, but sometimes we find that that he he may be good at just witnessing to someone he just can't develop forty minutes or thirty minutes or sometimes 15 minutes um so uh, so we have to recognize that give them opportunities and and so forth and uh and recognize not everyone but there are there are some that other people come to us and say you know he's you know you you ought to use him more he's he's good yeah, you know? yeah. so uh so That's good. We see that. Others see it. And then we kind of develop that person. So those are some things that we try to do and uh, with them and um, and patience because you know, they're not going to be in their early efforts, not going to be like some very established kind of a person. And I know a number of assemblies that just get outside, a lot of outside speaking. And that's fine. But I think if you don't develop your speaking from within, when you begin to decrease in size uh, and you don't have any gift within, it's gonna be a problem. Yeah. And those who don't have gift within, they're gonna close their doors sooner. Um, and I think if you had some gift within and you develop that and you develop the number of brothers, that is a very, very healthy thing. It's gonna make for a healthy assembly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's healthy. I don't think it's biblical just to go outside and just get outside speakers, uh, for 80% of your speaking. Right. Um, so, um, so, well, yeah,
0: I, I, yeah, I think the very helpful lessons, uh, big, almost pillars, if you will, to talking about prayer, talking about, um, uh, the word of God, the, these very important lessons. Uh, you can I, I like a lot of the examples that you gave this it definitely shows this has been uh, the bulk of of your life uh, that mm. that we 've seen uh, through this so re- really appreciate uh, those lessons and and the time you took in, in giving them
1: you're welcome my pleasure